This episode of The Incomparable is brought to you by Namecheap. Get your ad-free private email and .com, .net, or .org domain for only $6.99. Visit namecheap.com slash incomparable to learn more. And by Tonks. Tonks is an excellent coffee subscription service, and you can get a free two-ounce bag when you visit tonks.org, T-O-N-X dot org slash I-N-C. The Incomparable. Number 164, October 2013. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell, and our topic for this episode is three movies that are called collectively the Cornetto Trilogy. They don't actually share characters, but they share some themes, and most importantly, they share actors and a director. It's uh, Shaun of the Dead from 2004, Hot Fuzz from 2007, and The World's End from this year, which I just saw a couple weeks ago, and I found it delightful. And the other two movies are really great, too. So we're going to talk about all of them. Of course, the common threads here are Edgar Wright, the director, um, and uh, and does, did he write all of them with Simon Pegg? Is that right? I believe mm-hmm. they, yes, he did. they wrote all of and, them. And Simon Pegg and Nick Frost are, are star in all of them. So uh, that's, the, that's the common bond. And you heard the voices, but uh, spoiler. But I'm going to introduce our panelists now. Uh, Dan Morin, of course, contractually obligated as always, but Dan Morin also loves, loves, loves the work of these guys. It's because true. Spaced is like his favorite TV show it, ever. It is. And these people also did Spaced. They did. Mm-hmm. And, and I preferred the original, when I first started hearing about this, the original name for the trilogy, which is the Blood and Ice Cream trilogy. Uh, sure. <laughs> it's just very, it's very, it's very evocative. Or the, I think there's the Cornetto Flavors trilogy. That is the other, the Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy. Three Flavors Cornetto, because it's making fun of the Kieslowski blue, white, red. Mm-hmm trilogy sort of because this mm-hmm. is ice cream flavors and there are different stuff. flavors in every movie but we can talk yeah. about that which the oh yeah oh deep there are cornetto there. flavors deep deep accidental <laughs> themes found later <laughs> and there are actually cornettos in all all three films too they well are. yes that's of course that's yes <laughs> uh you heard serenity caldwell there uh hey ren welcome back thanks it's, it's been too long it, has it really has long. <laughs> i'm glad that you're back me too we, we captured your attention with simon <laughs> pegg and so, I mean, ha-ha. I how how can you not? How Simon Pegg is just a dashing fellow. I know, I know. You also heard David Lore, who is who is the in some ways the new Dan Warren because he is also on every podcast these Whoa. days. Whoa, I know, Whoa. <laughs> I know. I can't. You, we got to keep you two There's, guys separated. Uh, they, yeah, the contractual issues there are yeah. are many. <laughs> yeah, maybe some exclusivity as, problems. As long as we don't appear in the same room at the same time, I think we're okay. All right. Never do. If we're ever in the same room, Never. it's like a matter antimatter thing and. Oh yeah, thank goodness Skype doesn't count as the same room, and we have a we have a fourth panelist, surprise panelist. He's never been on a non live edition of the Incomparable before. You may remember him from our our live uh, on stage Aaron Sorkin episode, our live in a Nekoe room in Portland uh, XOXO <laughs> episode, and now he's here to talk about the Cornetto trilogy. It's Jeff Carlson. Hi, Jeff. Hello. Thanks for inviting me. Fascist. <laughs> <laughs> Fascism, fascism. Whatever you say, hag. Um, the Glenn Fleischman um, recommended you highly. He basically, when I mentioned that we were doing this, he said, "Oh, oh, 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 you have to have Jeff on." So I guess you're a fan of these movies, Jeff. I'm a fan. I'm a huge fan of Hot Fuzz. Um, up until a few weeks ago, I'd only seen Shaun of the Dead once, um, and I've somehow seen The World's End three times. <laughs> somehow. Somehow. By watching it. it Waking up in a movie theater. What? What? What is happening? 
crazy, crazy circumstances that were like, hey, there's a there's a screening with uh, with Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, uh, and someone's offering me free tickets if I go this afternoon. Okay, so I, I saw that, and then I saw the, the the whole trilogy on opening day, and then uh, Glenn wanted to see it, so I said, well, I'll go see it again with Glenn. All right. Well, I, I figure we'll take these movies in turn. But before we get started, I guess we should touch on space. We mentioned space. We've never done an episode about space, but space is the what Dan two season. Two seasons, seven episodes seasons. each, debuting in, I believe, 2000. Um, the second series aired while I was living in the UK, and one of my friends there at the time was like, oh, you have to see this show. And I got hooked on like the first or second episode of the second season, went back, ordered a DVD, which for many, many years, all I had was a Region 2 copy of both the seasons right. of Space. And in fact... That's all I have currently because I lent the Region 1 copy to someone like several years ago and they still have it. So, yes. Um, and so Not you, me. I think I, I think I still have Lisa Schmeiser's DVDs. The, uh, yeah, the missing ingredient. Yours. The missing ingredient from the most of the Cornetto trilogy, though not all of it, is also Jessica Stevenson, uh, yes. now, now Jessica Hines, who has uh, gone on to do some other things. But she also, I believe, co-wrote with Simon um, the series. Space. Yes, and she you'll right. you know her as the leader of the sort of parallel universe version of the gang in Shaun of the Dead. Her only appearance in the in the trilogy. Yes. But many yeah. of the other characters from that show or sorry, actors from that show appear in several, if not there are a couple I think who appear in all of the uh movies besides Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. So would you say that Spaced, those of you who I, I've seen like five episodes of Spaced or something. I'm way behind on this. <sighs> It, they're good. It's only, it's only twelve years old, man. <laughs> they're they're yeah. good. I'm getting through them one a, one a year. Well, I know they're not making it anymore, so I got to take it slow. What? That's true. You're pacing. You're pacing. Would you say thematically, uh, they have they have things in common? Do you Ab- think absolutely? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, thematically, you know, you're talking about all very similar. Like, they're it's clearly about their love of all these different genre fictions, uh, you know, categories of fiction and and. And homages to them, and and watching, uh, we watched Ren and I watched uh, Hot Fuzz earlier tonight with the like uh, overlay of like not quite commentary, but it had like fuzz facts, and fuzz stuff facts. on screen, which were hilarious. <laughs> I think may have been I don't know if they were written by Edgar Wright, but at times they read like they were written by Edgar Wright. But they had all the references to homages from all other films, action films, alerting you when cliches were happening in the movie. And they did something in similar. Case, in case you missed the cliches. In case you missed There are some that I missed, honestly. It's like, oh, yeah, I didn't <laughs> think about that. But like they, they did that for some of the, uh, at least the second season of Space on DVD. I think they went back in the box set and did it for the first season as well, like pulling out every single reference. And there are many that even as a diehard fan of many of these genres, there are many that I did not get upon first viewing. More thoughts about space before we move on to the movies? I, I mean, it's it's great. It's it's Simon Pegg. Boy, he is a likable fellow, isn't he? E- even when he's <laughs> playing awful awful characters, sometimes there's something about him that you just want to. I don't know. I, I like him. He's just oh, yeah. you know. That's. I'm not sure. I say the same about Nick Frost. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, oh, I, no, I, I love Frost Nick Frost. Is lovely. <laughs> It depends on the movie in this case. Yeah, I mean, I'll argue that point, but that's... in Shaun of the Dead, I, 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 I wanted to 
punch him in the face. I'm sorry. I guess he was very good and very effective <laughs> at portraying a guy I wanted to punch in the face. Well, but, he comes he comes around. I think well, there's, a, actually there's right. a redemption aspect. If you mean that he he's bitten and turns into a zombie and is chained up playing video games at the end. <gasps> spoiler alert! Wow, you didn't even put the I spoiler alert. I have a funny heart. story about that, which I told Dan. Nine years which... old! <laughs> For some reason, I remember the end of Shaun of the Dead. I'd only seen it once prior to rewatching it again tonight because I'm not a huge zombie fan, but I love um, Edgar Wright's work. Um, I seem to remember, and I know this is just something that I made up in my head, but Nick Frost basically taking the shotgun and defending the entire the group from the horde of zombies and be like, get into the cellar, and then he's just left for dead. Um I don't know where this came from. I have no idea, but it like it's it's seared into my memory very clearly. So I don't know whether I was just experiencing alternate universe Shaun of the Dead the first time I saw it or conflating it with a different zombie movie, but it's that's that's how I remembered it. So watching it this time through it was like, "Oh, Nick Frost, I guess you don't really get redeemed in the end of this movie." Ah, oh, it's still cute. Yeah, it, it um, and I, I, it's funny. I have actually, I totally misremembered the end of Hot Fuzz, <laughs> so we'll get there. Um, but because I, I hadn't seen Shaun of the Dead since I saw it on video in, I'm gonna say like 2006, 2000. I mean, after it came out on video, like a year or two later, we should say in Shaun of the Dead from 2004, it's a a zombie movie, but it's a comedy. It's got some romantic aspects, which is why they always called it the Rom Zom Com. Com, rom zom something like that. Rom zom or zom rom com. I think you go either way. <laughs> okay, fair enough. One of those. Pick one. Just don't of put those. the com first. That doesn't make D- any sense. No, because the com doesn't come first. The com is natural. It, it, it occurs because of the zom and the rom. Indeed, it comes out of that. If if the zom rom com is a flow chart, you put in some zom and out comes com. You've ruined and it. there's rom in the middle. You've turned it into a flow chart. This is awful. <laughs> <laughs> or a Dr. Seuss book, I don't know. Yeah, there may be it may be something about the hierarchy of needs where the zoms and the roms and the comms. <laughs> Thank you Abraham it, Maslow. The Maslow. So Hier- many hierarchy of acronyms. needs. So, um so in in Shaun of the Dead, Simon Pegg plays a guy Sean. That's his name, Sean. Um and he is a uh, kind of a directionless loser. Um but he's m- not as much of a loser as the his uh, his buddy, what Ed, who Ed, who yes. crashes at his flat and plays video games all day, and then their other roommate is Peter Serafinowicz, who I was very excited. I'd forgotten that that he was he was in this movie, and I like I love him mm-hmm. from um, especially from Look Around You, and he's another, also in Spaced, and he is he in Spaced, Spaced, another funny, very Dwayne funny British Benzie. actor. And I just saw him; he was just <laughs> in the Parks and Recreation season premiere. Uh, he's a very funny actor. Uh, anyway, so what's beautiful about Shaun of the Dead is, um, first off, there are a lot of parallels. You know you're going to be watching a zombie movie, and so you see a bunch of people, uh, you see Simon Pegg, sort of, his legs are kind of like stumbling and he's moaning like a zombie, but he's just waking up. And then they, he wanders through the town and there are other people kind of wandering around like zombies, but they're just people. Um, but the thing that I remembered about this movie, even years later, is that it hilariously... The characters don't notice that the zombie apocalypse is happening for a very long period of time while we watch the zombie apocalypse happening in the background, which is delightful. And it's it's a it's thematic too because in you know looking at all three movies, they they're all kind of start with that head fake 
Like where you think, okay, it's a yes. movie about zombies. Yeah. We're going to start right in with the zombies. No, we don't start right in with the zombies. Like, you know, Hot Fuzz. <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's an action movie. Nope, you don't start right yep. in with the action movie. And all of them take a left turn halfway through into being very different than in the second half and the first half, which I like. Agreed. All right, so so Shaun of the Dead. Um, Shaun's got his girlfriend, Liz, um, but they, their relationship isn't that great because he just wants to go to the Winchester, which is the favorite pub. So she's basically going to gonna break up oh oh and um um one of her pals is don from the office um the the british office um and dylan moran from uh black books which is another show that has a lot of crossbreed creativity with uh space i think it aired around the same time huh so anyway the zombie yeah. apocalypse then happens and um and uh sean's father-in-law or stepfather stepfather bill nye um, it doesn't go well for him, and they have his they they borrow his car, and it's you know, and, and they end up back at the Winchester. That's the goal because that's all Sean can ever think to do is go back to the pub. Um, and it's uh, you know, it. I'm not quite sure how to lead this conversation because it's this absolutely crazy movie. Um, favorite favorite things about it? My favorite thing is that they're completely oblivious for way too way too long to the fact that the world has ended and they just haven't noticed because they're so completely oblivious. I like the fact that a lot of it is is it it's all very tight. Um and it, you know, I think we'll probably revisit this a lot um with the other movies too, but uh you know there there's a ton of foreshadowing um, you know, like at one point, uh, the Pete says to Ed, he's like, you know, well, why don't you just go live in the shed? And of course, that's where he ends up at the end. Yeah. And, you know, they they have all, all sorts of things like that. The 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 scripts are really, really tight. Um, I thought, you know, a, a lot of the dialogue is 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 great and crackly. It's just nice at the beginning where we're introduced to, you know, Liz and Liz's friends. And they're they're basically, you know, Sean and Liz are having a conversation about their friends and then the camera turns a little bit and you see that they're actually just sitting, sitting right there. Right there. Yep. Um, and so <laughs> like, like little tiny details like that, in addition to, you know, having lots of fun. And I think uh, there's a scene where they have zombies in the backyard and they, they realize that they have to, to uh, uh, kill them by removing their head or, or smashing their head. And uh, one of the things they come up with is they can throw uh, old, LPs, vinyl LPs at them. And so rather than just pull out a bunch of things and start throwing, they have to sort through the LPs and figure out, you know, well, pressing. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like the Batman soundtrack. Okay. Throw it. But you know, good heavens. Don't, don't throw the, uh, Prince 1999 or whatever. Like like it was very important. And and they take advantage of the fact that, you know, these, these are shuffling zombies. They aren't speedy zombies. And so they can do a lot of things while the zombies are trying to, catch up which is delightful to uh to jason's point about the obliviousness i i love that i the thing i caught this time watching it again is how much is going on in the background like they're talking about it constantly on the tv and none of the characters either i mean there's a blatant scene where he's like flipping channels and he keeps skipping over it and they they cut together rather rather brilliantly like several lines about like you know, eating people alive from oh, yeah. like three different channels. But even before that, if you just listen to all the background noise, there's people talking about all these awful things happening and they're just totally not paying attention to it. I like that um, from the first shot, we are not 
entirely impressed with Sean. I mean, he's the title character and it's Simon Pegg and there's this feeling like we're supposed to be rooting for him, but he doesn't behave particularly well. And then we see with with um when when they in that scene that Jeff mentioned where they're they're at, at uh, Liz's and her her uh, her pals are there. You know, that's a it's a fascinating dynamic. They obviously don't approve of Sean really, but there's this also this you know love triangle where David uh, is is sort of like secretly obsessed essentially with with Liz and Diane knows it and that's that's fascinating. But they're they're not you know they don't really approve of him and Liz is not really that that enthused about him. And I like I kind of like that that when we meet Sean we're supposed to. You know, it's a movie. I'm supposed to root for this guy, and I do end up rooting for this guy. But I don't, you know, right away. I'm sort of like, wow, who is this guy? He's he's kind of a loser. And I, I kind of I found that refreshing that he was not, you know, oh, this is this is my hero of this movie. That it's like, let me list all the things that are wrong with him before you root with root for him. Right. Well, it's it's like in each of the movies and in Spaced, um, you don't automatically root for him, right? He's not someone you automatically go, hey, yeah. And in each each of those, uh, they give you a reason. You see that evolution. And by the time the the story takes its left turn, you're on board. You're like, all right, now he's earned it. He's, you know, right. I'm going to root for this guy. And, it, it, you know, it's so nice. I mean, like with Star Trek, it's like, oh, Chris Pine. Ooh, you know. Ah, he's pretty, yeah. He's cute. You know, that's about it. I do love that the um, in Shaun of the Dead, Edgar Wright basically and, and Simon Pegg basically make a list of the things that Simon Pegg has to do to improve his life and get yeah. things back on track. And you have it, you have it first in dialogue, I believe, um, when she's breaking up with um, with Simon Pegg's character, basically being like, "You said you give up smoking. You said you do this. I, you said we'd go on adventures. I want to go on adventures." You have that framed, and then you also have the whiteboard that he writes while ingloriously drunk. You know, I have to rescue, uh, go see mum, get back together with Liz, get my life on track. And by the end of the movie. Everything that we've sort of set out in motion has happened and all the things yeah. have come together in a glorious way. But it never feels like it's doing so in a checking of the boxes. Like you don't even realize that they've gone on an adventure until two thirds of the way through the movie when they're <laughs> sitting in the cellar about to be devoured by zombies. And you're like, yeah, they've actually, you know, th- this is a lot more adventuresome than uh, than his retail life. Wow. <laughs> They really set it up well so that like he really earns it. He earns the redemption, which is is nice rather than just, you know, in many movies, they sort of tell you that, oh, and now he's a hero because he did, you know, maybe some sort of minor thing like, you know, they they really make it difficult for him and and for the other people. Um, Maybe not so much for Ed, but I don't know if if we want to go into the fact that Ed is the biggest problem with this movie, at least for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jason and the two. Like, like I almost wonder if if Ed is is such a doofus to make <laughs> Sean seem just a little bit better. I mean, the mm. the thing that I oh, didn't yeah. like about this was that was that you know not so much that Ed was was even more of a loser, um, and you know, and and sort of comic relief. It was that Ed 
did the stupid things to complicate the plot. Yeah. And he and he, he didn't do them I I would argue for for reasons that seemed to be good. He did them for awful reasons. He was just like in many points Ed is just a miserable human being doing terrible things that ruin it for everybody. And yeah, I mean I I seriously, I'm not I'm not kidding. Um I I I had one point where I, I have to edit this podcast, so I'll just do it. I, I just turn to my wife and I'm like, God, what annoying person this guy is. I mean, seriously, like, yeah. and I it's a problem. I, I like the movie a lot, and I know that he's supposed to be a jerk, but he's such a jerk that I, I want him to die quickly and be out of the movie <laughs> so because he's so harsh. awful. <laughs> yeah, no, it's ter- it's ter- <laughs> terrible. And I think and I think about his character in Hot Fuzz and I think about his character in The World's End and I'm like, wow, I like those guys so much better than this. It's not even I mean, Simon Pegg is that is sort of that character in The World's End, but but in this it's just like I I really d- don't like him at all. He he ruins everything. I guess I always think of him as Mike from Space and I always have a special <laughs> place in my heart for him because of that. And well, cuz you always think about like there's that thing that happened when we were children yes well it's it's also it's it's the relationship between him and simon Pegg, which which is the one thing that kind of transcends all these films which is that these these are two guys who've known each other i mean except in the case of hot stars but like you know i think that's what for me that's what redeems it is that you know but but here you get the sense like that he is the 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 lodestone that is weighing is going to just when sean is going to get his life together this guy is going to ruin it for him because he can't get out he's an albatross i don't know I mean, they even say it in the first film. They say, you know, do you keep him around just so that you have somebody who's worse of yes, a person be, than you are? For the contrast, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think they're aware <laughs> of it. but Oh, definitely. At, but at the same time, I mean, we all have that friend, right? Not necessarily to that extent, but everybody has that person that they've known for years who always seems to muck things up, yet you, you're not going to cut them loose because they're... I think some people cut them loose, but all right. <laughs> Sometimes they recommend that you go on a podcast. So, no. <laughs> Oops. Podcast as intervention, actually. Yeah. I hate to break it to you, Jeff. Oh, that's what this nope. is. Oh. I, I get your point. I mean, everybody's got the friend who, you you know, you have a connection for special reasons that other people don't understand. And everybody else who you've collected since then doesn't, you know, doesn't play well with them. And what do you, what are you going to do? Because you're still loyal to them. And I, yeah. I, I get that. It's just that he does a lot of awful things that make things worse <laughs> throughout this movie. And I actually think that that like that it the chemistry between them really does work, and so like it doesn't seem really fake. the The problem that I had is that you know here's a guy who you know is like big on video games, big on you know allegedly big on action and cars and things like that, and yet he's doing stupid things that like like for example they're outside the Winchester, they're trying to figure out how to get in. There are literally zombies surrounding them. And he has to take a phone call from somebody who's wondering if he has any weed. Like, like <laughs> I understand that that that's a real you know douchey move and and sets it up so that um, so that Sean can can really tell him off. But like I don't think even he would be so oblivious as to just stop everything when zombies are closing in. You know, like, where's his video game expertise? Surely he's played a video game where they have to shoot zombies. Exactly. Uh, like, right. that's where I popped out of the movie. Nothing. Else. No. 
He, I dislike, even though I love Dylan Moran as an actor, I dislike his character so much more that it takes some of the pressure off off air. Oh, yeah. But that's because yeah. his character is designed to be dislikable. Well, yeah, that's He that, really is. That's True. it. He's not the best friend. He's an adversary, right? He's trying to break up our, our friend Sean's relationship because he is inappropriately obsessed with... Uh, you know, even though he's got his girlfriend right there, he's inappropriately obsessed with Sean's girlfriend. So he's the adversary throughout. And you do, yeah, you want to whack him. He tries to shoot. The head. He tries to shoot Sean's mom. Yeah, it's not cool, man. <laughs> yeah, it's Harriet oh. Jones. I t- slash and, the uh, Mrs. Crawley from Downton Abbey. <laughs> yeah, I mean Penelope Wilton. She's she's I, I I like her in this. It's enjoyable every time I see her. I'm like, oh, I love the scenes with her when when Sean is talking about what's the plan. All right, we go, we get my mom, we take care of Philip, we go get Liz, we go to the pub, like, and they they cut this scene together, which is an, an Edgar Wright technique, which is these like fast cuts with like extreme zoomed in like motions. Sure, um, but I love that if you look at her expression on the face when Ed and Sean are like shivying her so out just, they're like skipping together and smiling it's just it's it's such a like a quick cut but it's it's awesome i do love how ed ends up in the movie i mean ed does end up bitten by a zombie but but rather than be destroyed he's chained up and you might argue uh, he's that, better off i was just gonna say yeah. I, yeah, yeah but that's it it's like my feelings about ed it's like oh good he, he you know he know he's a zombie so he'll shut up and he stays put <laughs> and all they do is play video <laughs> games now now he's that's better. We do have to we we briefly mentioned the the parallel universe uh zombie survivalists. Yes. Um, which I have to say the best part about that is everybody in that lineup is basically like from another British sitcom. Most of them in parallel to people in our lineup. Because you've got sure. Martin Freeman, Martin Freeman. who's also from the office. You've got uh Tamsin Grieg, who is from Black Books, which Dylan Moran's in. You've got uh Matt Lucas. And you've got um, Julia Deacon, who is Marsha from Spaced, um, are all in that entire lineup, which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, the the parallel the parallel universe version of of the bunch, and I assume they all they all die too because later when we see uh, Jessica Hines, when we see Yvonne, she's with the soldiers and stuff, and it's just her, right? Well, they could so be sort of, they could be off screen, but yes, they I also guess, could have I died. guess so. I just sort of assumed that they they had the same kind of attrition that you have in if you're a group in a zombie movie, you're going to die one by one, which is what happens in Shaun of the Dead, which I liked that that we lose we lose um, uh, Bill Nye and we lose eventually Penelope Wilton and and you know I, I like how we, they still went through all those genre conventions. This is a zombie movie; it's not just a comedy. There are, I mean, there are horrific scenes of of people's guts being ripped open and stuff and i have to say i i laughed so hard at those scenes because in the context of them <laughs> they are punchlines they are meant as jokes not as shock horror moments and it worked for me except for that one yeah. sorry that one scene with uh with david at the end that's the one that gets me every time it gets it it goes over the edge into just comedic stuff when like Where she they runs just out with the leg pieces yeah. yeah but like the, oh, the, inte- so the intestinal scene still like uh, oh, when yeah. the first time i saw that i was like oh man that's but it doesn't you know it definitely adheres to the you know zombie movie tropes and they're clearly huge fans of the genre there is in fact a whole zombie episode of space in the first season i believe um so you know they clearly sort of take all the boxes with like all right we're doing a zombie movie the army shows up at the end to save everything and and all that but it's 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 scary and funny as i said to my wife because she hadn't seen it before we we did the the full trilogy in the theater and 
and she's not she doesn't like scary movies at all i'm I'm like well overall it's not so much scary as it is splattery and that seemed to make her feel better so i i I don't know what that says but yeah no and then in uh in our in our live chat room clinton phillips makes the comment that there are two groups in this movie the competent group and the incompetent group and this movie follows the incompetent group and there's some truth to that and that's why it's funny it's not scary it's a zombie movie, sure, but it's not scary. It's fun. I do also want to point out that that despite all this and despite it, you know, going with genres and stuff, um, like all of the like Sean's relationship with his mom and even with with uh, his stepdad at the end, like that's all fully developed. Like you you really get the sense um, it wasn't just oh yeah, my mom's gonna you know turn into a zombie and I have to shoot her, um, you know, and and maybe that's just. Uh, the, the writing or, or or Peg's acting or whatever, but um, you know, even seeing it again for like the third time, um, like you know, it's it's really touching the way he reacts to the fact that you know these people that he loves have to be blown yeah. away. That, that's the heart. Of, that's the heart of the movie. The scene where they where they have to kill Penelope Wilton because she's turned into a zombie, and and it's taken seriously. It's not. I mean, there are jokes, but it's not played as a toss-off it is this your your mom has died and you have to do this because she's turning into a zombie and it's not they take the premise seriously the the only weakness in that for me although i found that very affecting the first time i saw it was watching it this time he uses the same whatever the technique is for you know being really upset and sad he uses that in other places when it's like for ridiculous things <laughs> so like uh, i'm like listening range. to the tone of his voice where and it's like the same like there's the paintball episode of space where where mike gets shot with the paintball and they're doing like the medic you know and he's like mike you'll be okay and he uses the exact same tone of voice and i'm like i cannot take you seriously right now but it is i mean i do remember watching it the first time and being like yeah that's a it's pretty emotional as scenes go well and for comedy like they didn't really have to do that but they did so that that was nice, and I think actually it's it's even like a little bit more poignant later when we learn that that the zombies end up surviving. Um, so you know, like maybe it's kind of sad that he had to shoot his mother in the face rather than maybe have her in the maybe shed. Jeff. Jeez, don't don't commit. <laughs> or should we uh, should we move on from Shaun of the Dead? We have two more movies to cover. That's true. It's a good movie though. It is a good movie, but yeah. I think that I think they get better as they go along. I might argue. I I would argue that too. Well, it, it's interesting because I had heard about the movie and I'd heard about space, but I never saw them. And then I think it was in 2008, I, uh, I was out in DC for a play and the director of the play said, sit down, you have to see this. I said, all right. And we watched Shaun of the Dead. And as soon as I came back from DC, I went and got spaced and just sat down and mainlined the whole thing. And it was like, oh my God. And, and yeah, I think each of the films gets tighter and sharper. Um, especially when you compare them to, to something like Paul, I don't know if any of you have seen Paul. Yeah. Oh, Paul. Uh, which is funny. It's amusing. It's just not as sharp and tight and as, you know, fully dimensional as these. Um, I've heard them mentioned a couple of times in, in, in the Q&A that I saw, um, you know, because they they have so many funny moments. People just assume that, that they're doing a lot of this live or impromptu. And, uh, you know, Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright, they're like, no, actually when we get there, it's, it's like, it's all very scripted. We don't have very much money. These were all done on, you know, fairly uh, low budgets. And, um, you know, so like, like every beat is planned out and, and, and everything is very deliberate. Without question. I think, um, 
Edgar Wright's style of directing reminds me very much of um, Commedia dell'arte and of the idea of working working in a framework and working almost in in archetypes and masks where you're working mm. in so locked down a format that you have freedom to explore in these tiny little areas and that little that freedom is what causes the spark in the film I think you have like all of his shots are clearly so meticulously planned like they feel like a uh, like a visual storyboard like an interactive comic which is also why his you know, um, Scott Pilgrim film, although with weaknesses, is still really dynamic and really yeah, engaging. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's it's yeah. I mean, he's he's the perfect person to to direct a comic book style movie because he clearly sees in in moving comic books, basically moving frames of uh, a video very, very carefully plotted and planned. Um, but even within that strict framework there's just so much play and so much excitement like even if nothing is ad-libbed i think there are there are a couple of ad-libbed lines hidden throughout the scripts in uh in the three films but even the you know even the non-ad-libbed lines you just see the amount of fun that the actors are having within the you know it's like all right we have to do this 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 and this and it's going to be carefully choreographed and it's going to be awesome it just it, it looks like so much fun Oh yeah, and and you know, I mean, we we sort of touched on it before with you know where they're talking and then the camera shifts and the person they're talking about is right there too. It's sort of like he takes those strict forms and those things that you think you know are going to happen, and then he twists them, right? Because you know, again, like the zombies, but they're not zombies in the beginning. It's just people going to work, um, and you know, he takes those strict forms that we recognize, and then surprises you and i mean good comedy is always surprise right um you know it, it's what's funny about it if you know what's coming um and so i mean it's 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 lovely to watch the way he works and and to see also that each of them i mean even scott pilgrim in space you know they're fully dimensional worlds you know he's thinking about what's going on on the other side of the camera and the other side of the room and who else might be there and what else might happen if they can bring it into the frame, um, which is just fun. I, I, the other week I tweeted that, you know, Edgar Wright is one of those directors I'd love to write something for, but I don't want to because I just want to watch his work. I just want to be surprised by it. All right. We've been talking about beer a lot because we see that a lot in the Cornetto trilogy, but now I want to shift gears a little bit. I know you're enthusiastic about uh, zombies and aliens and cops, but are you enthusiastic about coffee? Lots of people are very enthusiastic about that coffee that they drink in the morning. Maybe they drink it in the evening. It would keep me up. But in the morning, that shot of caffeine and good flavor that you want in the morning, I know so many people who are so enthusiastic about coffee. So I want to tell you about something that's very interesting. It's called Tonks, T-O-N-X. It's a subscription service for coffee. It uses all the goodness of the internet and a lot of coffee intelligence, the brains behind Tonks. They really know their coffee, puts it all together, and you get this Tonks coffee subscription service. They roast their own coffee beans that they've found all over the world and I think are really great, bring them to LA, and they roast them themselves, and then after they roast them, they ship them out the very next day. So you're getting fresh roasted beans. It's going to taste way better than the stale coffee you'd find in a grocery store or in most cafes. It's freshly roasted. 
It gets shipped out within a few days. It is in your mailbox. So it's a coffee subscription service. You also get uh, an email newsletter called The Frequency. They have their own editor-in-chief at Tonks. Lots of cool coffee-related stuff that you get for free. So it's almost like a magazine where instead of pages... It's coffee beans. It's pretty cool. Great idea. And there's a special deal. You can try this out risk-free. They'll ship anywhere in the U.S. or Canada. You've got to visit tonks.org, T-O-N-X dot O-R-G slash I-N-C for incomparable. Tonks.org slash I-N-C. And you'll get a free trial. They'll send you a free two-ounce bag of coffee. You can try it yourself. See if this is something that you want to do want to sign up get the stuff in the mail every two weeks not have to worry about getting stale coffee get fresh beans every two weeks so give it a shot tonks.org slash inc sign up free trial two ounce bag of coffee give it a try i'm sure you love coffee and if you love coffee you should try tonks and thanks to tonks for sponsoring the incomparable we should move on to uh to hot fuzz which is a a, a, a cop movie it's a movie in a genre that i am not as familiar with i have to say than than even zombie movies and certainly the uh sort of sci-fi elements in in the world's end um but i i just watched this movie last night and um after having seen it again when it came out on video and uh it's a it's a very funny movie and the fact is i feel like i've been as just as a uh, an american kid growing up watching tv i have marinated in so many cop TV show and movie tropes that even if I haven't seen Bad Boys Two, um, I I it's can okay. get it's it. It's okay, Jason. I I get it. It's okay, <laughs> you know I I haven't seen Bad Boys Two yet. That's it. There you go. I, Perhaps that's I, I, I get we'll it. We'll do that episode soon. And he's the uh, in the, in this he 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 is Angel Nick Nicholas Angel because he's that good. Which is hilarious because also the name of the music supervisor that they work with on both Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead is named Nick Angel. Yeah. Because they comment in the uh, in the things we were watching that um, in the scene where he is in the newspaper, but they misspell his name as Angle, that it happens to their their music supervisor, music supervisor as well. Hot Fuzz, he's the perfect cop. And uh, he's he's, in fact, so good that he is sent away. To uh, a, a, a basically to a farm out in the country to live out the rest of his life as a <laughs> as a really bored cop. It's the worst thing you could do. No more than two years. A super connected, super connected cop is to take him to the most perfect village in the world, which of course is perfect because of terrible things happening in the village that I had forgotten. I had forgotten just how far <laughs> this movie goes. They go it. pretty far. Yeah. Did this movie remind anybody of Dragnet? When I was watching it again, that you know the Tom the the Tom Hanks or Dan Aykroyd Dragnet, it reminded me mm-hmm. of that movie in several points. In that it's a wacky comedy that has a weird nefarious secret plot at the bottom of it. Christopher Plummer is not in Hot Fuzz, but um, but he know, might maybe, as well have been. Maybe maybe it's just me, but that that I got the same. It was like you know. It's better than Dragnet. I'm not saying it's as good. Oh, yeah. It's the Dragnet is better than that, but I'm saying it's for what a strange little subgenre we have here of these bizarre cop movie comedies that sort of take themselves seriously, but not that seriously. But they, they wind up with a, a cult leader and this cult trying to destroy things, and and our goofy cops save the day. Uh, this is just way better. Well, and what's also nice is that um, they actually give you like two reasons for for why people are dying, and the the first reason is 
you know, it, it's plausible. There's like, like this, this whole real estate deal and, you know, maybe like, uh, you know, they have to kill somebody to get the real estate so that it'll prevent another shopping center coming. Like, like it's all very intricate. And then that falls away and you find out that, that the, the real reason for it all is, I, I guess I can give away spoilers uh, this, yeah. this far in, um, you know, is that they want to win the, the, um, village of the year award and anything that stops them, whether it's, you know, people spraying graffiti or, um, God forbid the, the living statue. Um, Oh no, that guy, you know, that guy, um, like they, they, they just kill them for the greater good. Well, it's interesting too, because the whole thing with the highway bypass to me smacks very much of like a, a noir movie, right? It's like, almost like Chinatown. Um, yeah. Which is a movie that does get referenced a couple times in there, but then it, it does. does, and then it turns into this, as Jeff's saying, it turns into this even more absurdist thing. Like, no, there's nothing. <laughs> we just really, really want our village to be perfect. It's more like Stepford Wives. <laughs> well, you know, it takes your viewing off it for a little while. Like when you start to watch the movie for the first time, you find yourself piecing together what the what the villain's plan must be. And you're like, oh, yeah, I can see how this is all connected. And I could see I, I couldn't remember the the finer points of why the villagers killed everyone. So I was like, oh, well, they probably killed her because she was espousing the morals of the town by sleeping with this married man. And they killed him because he was a, like, but I didn't get all of them. And I and I started following the wrong path. Well, so then they butchered Shakespeare. They butchered oh. Shakespeare. <laughs> This was the only no. thing that was convincing in the three and a half hours of so-called acting. That's such a yeah, good, I love that it's the Baz Luhrmann version of Romeo and Juliet. Sure. That's, <laughs> with it. a musical number at the yeah, end. With, it's so good. Love so, me, love me. So good. Amazing. Yeah. No, Dan, the line that, that made me laugh out loud this time was, forget it, it's Sanford. It's Sanford. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. It's, I, I did grow up sort of marinated in the action movie culture, especially of the 90s, because that was when I was a teenager and watching all of these action movies. Um, and so, you know, Lethal Weapon and Die Hard. Yeah, Apparently, die there's hard. a whole part of the section from Lethal Weapon. They lift a, the score from Lethal Weapon in that scene where they go into the into David Bradley's farmer's shed and it's full of all the weapons and they're actually using the score from lethal weapon in there, which I think is great. (laughs) And then later on they point out this, this little trivia thing on the screen was actually hilarious because the, when they announced they're at the secret cult meeting and one of them was like, but first the news that they had twins, she's decided to name her twins, Roger and Martin, which are the names of Mel Gibson and Danny Glover's characters (laughs) from lethal Uh, weapon, (laughs) which I did totally did. Would not have caught even remotely, but thank you. Whoever wrote the trivia feed on hot fuzz. Um, but yeah, knowing all those tropes and everything, it's what makes it so delightful. You know, the do you ever uh, jump through the air while firing two guns simultaneously? Yeah. Oh yeah, you know, like <laughs> which they pay off, which yeah. they pay off along with the high speed car Absolutely. chase and shooting people, and and it's it's another one of those cases where it takes the left turn because it's in some ways so serious. He's such a by the books cop, right? You know, he's not he does he's regrets shooting people. You know, he doesn't want to do anything, and then by the end, just basically that all gets thrown out the window in service of right. the. Of bad boys too, basically. Right. So, so in the left turn in, in Shaun of the Dead is suddenly it is a zombie movie, and they have to run, and there's lots of action, and there's lots of zombies. In Hot Fuzz, it's the realization that it's not just there's not just a killer, but there is sort of like ev- all the town elders are are killing people, and he finds out, and at that point, it's just gunfire. It's 
it, it over is the top, totally gratuitous, crazy. Michael Bay drenched, you know, well, he sent, adrenaline. He sent him out of town and, and then he comes back and he's riding a horse. Riding a horse. <laughs> no one stops <laughs> to ask where he got the horse or anything. It's just, just it doesn't matter. Well, and and it, uh, the the way Edgar Wright cuts it too is also very much like all these action oh, what, movies. Exactly, right? You all know, the zooms, it, all the quick the, zooms in and out. Oh, the panning the around, and, and even things like like when they go to the farm that has all of the weapons, and they they think they've activated this this massive sea mine. You know why there would be a sea mine there? You know, <laughs> okay, and, and and so like like they have the big scene where they they come running out, and the cameras you know pulls back, and they jump over a hedge. And you know, because in every single other movie, that's when there's Slow the giant explosion. explosion. Yeah, and then they stand up and they're nothing kind of dusting themselves off. And you know, it, it's it's very so intentionally playing off of the expectation that you have because you've watched fifty of these movies, yeah. and then taking a little turn, even in you know, in little small bits like that. Can can we point out that the uh, the the the, the t- return of Angel to the town? is entirely predicated on seeing DVDs in a gas station. <laughs> and of, of, specifically of Point Break and Bad Boys 2. And that's that moment of like, all right, I'm going back. And all of those guns that seemed extraneous in the time in Daily, David Bradley's shed might, be, might come in handy. Chekhov's so, gun laws. <laughs> I, I was going to say it's the law of Chekhov's description of gun, gun play. <laughs> I believe Chekhov wrote Lethal Weapon and Die Hard. Those are well, both based you know, on original Chekhov plays. Chekhov said that if you do show a shed full of guns <laughs> in Act One, they all, all the guns will be fired simultaneously. <laughs> you have to have a, uh, a a nice word here for all of the character actors playing all the village members, including Paul Freeman from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh yeah, Jim Broadbent, yeah, yeah. fantastically Jim Broadbent, Jim Broadbent. As, as the police chief, Timothy Dalton, who is to my mind. Wow, this was like I think the first thing I'd seen him in in a long time, um, and I think around the same time he did this, he he had a guest run on Chuck, in which he plays in some ways a very similar character. Sure, <laughs> these James Bond actors are uh, when they're done with that part, they just got to do villains. Oh, but he was oh, he's so good at this particular role. I, I love that first scene with him, like arrest me. I've been slashing prices all over town. Like, this is such a great delivery, and he's just—he goes at it with such gusto. My favorite, my favorite tidbit from the trivia track on this one was the scene where Simon Pegg tries to prove that he cut his foot, and he pulls up his pant legs, um, and he's wearing like the sock suspenders. Apparently, they, Simon Pegg did not know he was wearing those, and just started <laughs> cracking up when they do it. So they had to do the take again. <laughs> I just like to picture uh, that Edgar Wright rolled up to Timothy Dalton's house and was like, how would you like to do a movie more ridiculous than The Rocketeer? Come here. <laughs> I got a script for you. Tell me more. <laughs> well, I don't know if any of you have seen the show Broadchurch. From... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, the the lead actress in that is uh, Doris in Hot Fuzz. And... So every time I saw her in Broadchurch, I'm think I'm I'm having it's like oh she got promoted, I'm I, I just see her as her Hot Fuzz. Yeah, Olivia Coleman kind of and and yeah when, when when she came on screen in, in Hot Fuzz, uh, this time my wife said hey it's it's Miller from from Broadchurch, yeah. but she's been in <laughs> I I always think of Olivia, Olivia Coleman. I first noticed her in the Mitchell and Webb look. And yes. and yes. she's also in Look Around You with uh, Peter Serafinowicz. She's also in the uh, Doctor Who episode, The Eleventh Hour. The, the Eleventh Hour, Smith yes. Appearance. 
Yeah, yeah there's is. that number of these guys who are like David Bradley, of course, who not only plays what Filch in the Harry Potter movies, was in a Doctor Who episode, is playing William Hartnell, is Walder Frey, like, yes. <laughs> and is in The World's yeah. End as well. So, like, <laughs> he gets around. Are those British actor, the character and, actors, man. And to Edward Woodward, TV's yeah. Edward Woodward, yeah. In one of his last parts, I believe. Yep. I think it was his last part, yeah. And then you have like Patty Considine and Rafe Spall as the Andes. Yes. <laughs> Who are, and, who and are Bill awful. Bailey is the twins. Bill Bailey, the, I love Bill Bailey so much. The Andes are awful and um, and abusive toward uh, Angel. Except that then there's that moment where it's very clear that uh, Jim Broadbent is doing bad things and like a switch. It's a great moment, right? When a, the switch flips and all of a sudden they're all looking to Angel to tell him what to do. Because they got to save the town, and it's just—it's a great moment again in this kind of ridiculous movie. There's, there's a moment where like, yay, they're going to save the day in this ridiculous movie. It's great. I love it. It's a yes, the L.A. Confidential moment where it's like, eh, maybe we're <laughs> maybe we're good friends after all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's yeah, it's a cop movie, right? So, yeah, and exactly. I mean, so they do as we were saying before with the scripts being so tight, like they managed to pack in so much ridiculous stuff. In the and 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 that's why like watching the trivia track was so amusing because there's all these things you would not catch that are totally silly little like they point out that the scene where they go when they're shooting up the town at the end and they go into the bar, um, you know where of course Simon Pegg has been ordering bar. like cranberry juice into the pub. Um, there's a sign and the two old proprietors and the proprietor and his wife pop up with like guns behind it. There's yes. a chalkboard. It says she was 40, 45. Yeah, 55. Yeah, she's only, 50, she's only 53. 53. But there's a chalkboard on the side that says two shooters for the price of one. And it's like, <laughs> like, I would not have noticed that if it hadn't been for that. They're calling out in one of the scenes where, where Timothy Dalton's trying to establish his alibi by saying like, oh, look at the CCTV footage. I'm, I'm in all of it. When they pause on it at one point, he's holding up a newspaper to the CCTV camera with the date on it. <laughs> it's just like it's all these little details that Edgar Wright puts in so that you know yeah. if you ever freeze frame and go through it it's like it's it's just so thoroughly thought out is the thing and that's that's why i love him as a director so much because he's not one of those guys who's like yeah we'll put the camera here we'll take a picture of this we'll knock it off we'll be done we'll be done by dinner you know he goes through and meticulously has all these little details that make this world totally fleshed out to the point where you can stop any frame and examine it and there's all sorts of little details that basically you know shore up this entire film they they actually put out interactive PDFs of the scripts for the first two, and I, I assume when the World's End comes to DVD, they'll do that too. And again, it's fun to watch to see because because it'll include pictures and links and everything, and you you can read along while you're watching the movie, and again, pick up more details from the stage directions and little things they threw in there. It's just amazing. That's where the pub in Hot Fuzz is. Is one of the pubs in the World's End, by the way. It's just <laughs> it's like the j- just generic british pub that's in one of these it's, it's movies. all the pubs from yeah. the world. it's that bar again <laughs> it's back well i find it so funny you know all of the films have pubs that feature very centrally in the uh it is the in UK. the plots yeah. it is it is the uk as they as they pointed out in that parks and rec episode where they were in london if only there was a place you could get a drink around here <laughs> There's a pub over there, there's a pub over there, there's a pub between two butcher shops over there. That's right. We'll go to the butcher shops first. Yeah. Anything more about Hot Fuzz? It's just, it's awesome. It's funny. It is awesome. And it is awesome. Yeah. There is a horror movie aspect to this in the sense that um, 
when we see the killer at first, it's the killer in the in the in the robes, um, and it calls to mind a, a, a different kind of horror movie than the, than the zombie movie. It calls to mind a you know a, a, a slasher kind of movie, and the, the, like you said, Dan, I'm slashing all over town. <laughs> Prices. <laughs> no, that I, I like that. That that that's a it's a, a little thing that uh, I didn't expect to see in a in a movie that's basically a cop movie. That it, that that there's this. You know what's this mysterious robed figure, and of course, then there's a punchline when they go to arrest Timothy Dalton, and it turns out that all of them have it's the it's, hood. It's the murder on the Orient Express. It's spoiler, the, uh, spoiler uh, as it as it uh, said uh, in the uh-oh. in the trivia, it said spoiler alert. It's basically the murder the murder on the Orient Express. Sorry, it's like forty five years old. <laughs> This movie is also pretty bloody too. I mean, you know, yes. n- normally with with a lot of these action movies, like you know, somebody gets shot and they fall down or, or whatever. But you know, there's a scene when when the the reporter uh, Tim um, has a, a a block of the the church roof land on him, and you know, it's it that is gory as all as all heck. So um, there's definitely some horror oh, yeah. uh, influences here. Yeah, I would say that the death of the of the newspaper man being having his head completely exploded by the church spire is worse than anything that's in Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, it's pretty, <laughs> and they linger for a bit on that one too. Or they the, really do the woman stabbing herself with the shears, or getting stabbed with the shears, and then what was the oh the Timothy Dalton at the end getting impaled. <laughs> uh, still... Oh, this really hurts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, that's very funny because you expect that it's the horrific death scene for him. But he's not dead. Well, it's an he's action just, movie. He's just maimed. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and the model village bit at the end is just fantastic. I mean, like, just all the things that you read, like, uh, you know, as they point out, when you're when they're driving in early on, it has the sign that says model village, which, of course, is uh-huh. a reference to, like, it's the perfect village, but it's also a little teeny right. tiny village. Yes. Um, and then they're, they're, I love that they're fighting after having wrecked the whole main town, right, with a gunfight. They have to take it over to the little tiny model town and, like, start bashing that up. <laughs> It's great. It's such a bizarre piece of setting, yep. but it works. Well, they have to have a fist fight because you can't just solve everything with guns. You have to have the big mano dramatic, you know, mano That's a mano. Right. Yeah. One, one of the funny things that I think I got from from the interactive script that David mentioned, um, they were interviewing uh, Timothy Dalton. And it, actually, they're interviewing him and, and uh, Simon Pegg separately. And they're talking about the chasing at the end because there's this whole bit where they're they're chasing after each other in these tiny little police cars and they're shooting guns at each other. You know, again, doing the things that that uh, uh, Danny was asking about earlier. And um, uh, Timothy Dalton was like, like, that was an immense amount of fun. And Simon Pegg is like, like, but you were James Bond. Like, how can you say that? And and, he, and Timothy Dalton laughs. He's like, "Do you think the Brock the Broccoli's the the Broccoli's uh, whoever own, owns the Bond franchise? Yep. Um, yeah. Do you think they would let me do any of those action scenes myself? And so so like like he got to actually do that. Where you know instead of just stuntmen and and it it was awesome that you know James Bond thought that this little bit was like the best action he's ever done in any movie. Yeah, they did they did a lot of their own stunts in that one. Um, including, they mentioned that the in the jumping the fence scene, which is a commonality between all three movies, that that Simon yes. Pegg does the first three, and then it's an acrobat who does like the somersault over the last, sure. um, and that he's but that also he does a bunch of the fight scenes and stuff like that too, which is I mean it, you know I think it helps contribute to the the verisimilitude of it as it were. Oh, definitely, and and it'll really come into play in the next movie too. 
All right, I want to pause for just a moment to tell you a little bit about one of our sponsors. It's Namecheap. Namecheap is a domain name registrar. It was voted best registrar by Lifehacker users. I am a user of Namecheap. I have three domains there, including intertext.com, which is my main personal domain. It's a top-tier domain name registrar offering some of the cheapest prices in the industry. Like the name says, it's great domain names and cheap prices. It's one of the best registrars out there. It's got over a million satisfied customers, including me. They've been doing this since 2000. Namecheap.com offers an unparalleled level of service. When it comes to customer care, they have professional support representatives who are there to answer any of your questions. That's 24-7, 365 days a year. Like I said, they offer some of the most affordable domain names in the industry. Plus, they've got full-featured web hosting, secure SSL certificates, WhoisGuard domain name privacy, and a whole lot more. Like I said, I use them, and I have entrusted my most valued domain, honestly, the one that I've had since the beginning of time, to Namecheap. Now, for a limited time, Namecheap is offering a special deal for incomparable listeners to get their private ad-free email and a .com, .net, or .org domain for only $6.99. And here's what you have to do to get this deal. You need to visit my favorite URL in the universe, namecheap.com slash incomparable. Look for the Zeppelin, look for the robot. Our logo is on that page. Check them out. You get a great deal. Your own .com, .net, .org domain plus ad-free email for $6.99. And thank you so much to Namecheap for taking care of my domain and for sponsoring The Incomparable. All right, let's let's move on and talk about The World's End, which um, I think most of us probably saw pretty recently. It's it's only been out for a few weeks or maybe a, maybe a little more than like a month or two. In this one, Simon Pegg is uh, Gary King. He is a messed up dude. He is, uh, and I and I really like that about it. That that um, in this movie, everybody else, all of his friends from school, that he drags along to their hometown to go through these ten different pubs um, over the course of one night. They all have moved on with their lives. They are all essentially regular guys, and he is in as extreme a state of arrested development as you will ever see. Um, the 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 best the best moment being when they're in his car, and one of them comments, um, "This is this is like the car that I sold you in whatever 1995, and he's 1990, and he says it is that car." And then he puts in a cassette tape, and he says, "Oh, I remember. Remember when I gave you this tape? You know, a tape of this album." And he says, "This is that tape." It's like, what? What have you been doing for the last twenty years? Nothing. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> nothing has changed with him. He's in in a state of arrest development, um, and uh, and and everybody else is sort of talked into it through his lies into doing this pub crawl. Um, so I like that. That in this movie, it really is Simon Pegg who is the problem. And not um, not anybody else. And Nick Frost is this is like the straight man. He is absolutely the straight man, which is which is great. It's like another great about face because you kind of go in expecting it to be the same sort of thing where it's like, all right, Simon Pegg's yep. the character, and Nick Frost is the bumbling like you know sidekick or whatever. And not not really, <laughs> kind of the other way around. It was actually nice that there was no bumbling sidekick in this one. Yeah, yeah, they all have their they all have their. Uh, the characters in here all have their different little quirks and little personalities. I really liked um, Martin Freeman in this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as O Man. <laughs> you know, looking at the first two movies that we watched tonight, I guess I should have guessed that 
bad things happen to Martin Freeman's character uh. in in World's End. Spoiler. Um, <laughs> but I, I didn't I was so hoping I'm like Martin Freeman. I love Martin Freeman. And I told I just I didn't realize like I, I guess I must have blanked him out in Shaun of the Dead and, and Hot Fuzz because I did not remember him being in either one. Well, it is it's blink and you miss him. Yeah, he doesn't have any lines in Shaun, Shaun of the Dead. He has a, he has that one or two scenes, I guess, with Bill Nye and Steve Coogan in Hot Fuzz. Yeah, uh, I remembered as soon as I started watching. Oh, that's right. Martin Freeman's his yeah. boss. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's nice to see them, and and you also get uh, Eddie Marsan, who um, I was uh, ironically in a different Sherlock Holmes franchise from from Martin Freeman. He plays uh-huh. uh, Lestrade, I think, in the Robert Downey Jr. version, um, and uh, and Patty Considine again, who is who's great. I really like him. This is a movie that so it takes it takes a not just a, a right turn; it takes a sharp sharp right turn halfway through and if you go into this movie thinking it's going to be a uh, you know a story about a guy who's rel- trying to relive the past and obviously he's going to have a journey over the course of going through all these different pubs and 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 uh you know his friends are going to learn about their their staid kind of middle-aged ways but he's going to learn something about having to move on and all that and the fact is the movie gives you that for the first what half hour 45 minutes it's a darker funny but it's really kind of dark and weird and i liked it a lot and i'm sitting there thinking i know that something is going to happen here but it's amazing how long it goes where it's really like gary king how messed up is he meet these guys they obviously have a bond in the past but they've all moved on i really loved all of that and um you know i i to the point where if it didn't take the crazy left turn i think this would still be a really good movie it's just that halfway through it becomes a totally different movie yeah what i like about edgar wright's films in general is that he takes he takes these really troublesome um things that we're all going through, you know, the the process of adulthood and really distills it through an extraordinary set of circumstances where it's like, let's uh, let's take growing up through the lens of zombies and let's take developing personal relationships and friendships through crazy town and let's touch up again on growing up. But really this time with aliens, it's like and and. No bots. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean the, the the whole idea that this you know they they're from the suburban sort of you know nowhere town and it's really boring. I mean everybody grows up wherever almost anybody grows up. It's they're going to say it's boring even if it's actually exciting. They're going to say it's boring. But you know I, I liked that and the idea that these people are all kind of drained of all life and he's trying to interject you know in, inject life and excitement back into his friends' lives, but also this town that they came from. And then we see that the reason the town is devoid of all life is because. (laughs) There are aliens in that town. Uh, Spoiler alert. Sorry again. Why are you listening? If you don't want to be spoiled, don't listen. Um, So the moment, now that we've blown the spoiler horn. Boy, I love that moment in the bathroom in the pub where... um, where he gets where where Gary gets uh confronts the kids and um you you're thinking you know he's hit rock bottom this guy is such a mess his life is is a wreck um and then he 
pops one of the kids' heads off, and there's blue ink everywhere, and they're like alien robots. We've got blood on our hands. Things. Technically, it's more like ink. We've got ink on our hands. <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> Such just, a great moment. I think I mentioned this to you, Jason. I don't remember if it was on a podcast or just in a conversation, but I was watching it, and a, a friend of mine was sitting next to me, and she had clearly come into this not knowing what this movie was about. <laughs> and so she's like, you know, she's like, you know, we, we all thought we we're having a good time. We're laughing all this. And I look over at her in that scene because I knew it was coming eventually. And she's just like eyes wide, like, what the <laughs> hell is going on? It was, just, it was a great moment. <laughs> well, the way they do it, too, is, is is great because it's not like, you know, he reaches over and pops his head off. They're they're having this little fight scene and throws the guy down and his head, you know, hits, oh, hits the m- urinal and, and the yeah, edge of the urinal. Right, and, you know, and right. normally like maybe the urinal would break away or, or whatever. But no, his head just pops, pops off right off. And ink flies around and yeah. And then the head looks at them a little bit longer <laughs> while it's on the floor. And Once this happens and you realize what you're seeing here, it, the, I feel like this movie plays by the rules that we – and it takes them to their extreme, that, that it, it seems to know exactly what it wants to do. And uh, although, again, if you had an entire village full of these guys, could you not not let them – go to the next pub but they manage it anyway but i i, I just I, I like that too that there there seem to be some rules about how you can defeat these kind of robot guys or whatever they are and there's a whole hilarious debate where they're talking about if they are robots or aliens or something else like what do we call them which is really nice while they're having beer not robot because you know what the origin of the word robot is <laughs> exactly slave yes very important. I think they do a fairly good job of, of of towing that line of working within those rules, and also like if they were to go like you know an inch further, you would think, okay, well, why don't the robots just swarm them and be done with it, you know? And and they're also sort of more uh, credulity moments where you're like, okay, like they know what's going on. Yet they're they're continuing to do this pub crawl, and they make justifications for this that I think are 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 just good enough for you to say, okay, well, they can't leave the town because that might alert them, and then they would die in a field somewhere, as as, as somebody says, uh, and and then says, I I, I don't like fields, um, <laughs> you know, and and then like like so you're still with them on the adventure rather than saying. You idiots, just get in the car and leave, which I think was a hard thing for them to do. I think they pulled it off pretty well. Yeah. Um, one of the things I like about uh, about this movie is Simon Pegg really does take a journey here, Gary King. I mean, he, he this adventure that he's in, he... You know, he's messed... He's really messed up. We actually learn as we go that he's been committed because he tried to kill himself. That's the 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 you know, group therapy that he's in at the beginning and he walks away from that and he's got scars on his wrists and he, I mean he is he is a really messed up guy and I think it's interesting I was reading an article about the making of this movie and Simon Pegg mentioned that it's all prop beer because he doesn't drink anymore and one of the you know things about about um, Gary is that he is a you know complete mess and an alcoholic and I I've got to think that there is a you know there's a a, a pretty personal story going on in this in this movie about this guy who's really messed up and an alcoholic and how uh you know by the end of the movie he doesn't drink anymore and he's living a very different life because there's been an apocalypse because of what happens in the movie but um i i I was struck by that 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 you know 
in the midst of the action and the comedy, there is this core that never really drops away that we see in the beginning of the movie about how messed up this guy is. And, uh, you know, and, and we are following his journey to being, you know, a different person and a better person at the end, which I thought, uh, you know, that didn't need to be here for this to be a fun, ridiculous movie. But it, it, it's there. Well, and the thing I like in all of these uh, spaced Edgar, uh, Edgar spaced Sean, Hot Fuzz and World's End is that all of these in, in very different ways with very different characters, but they all follow a protagonist who is missing something. You know, Nicholas Angel is the perfect cop, but he's missing the humanity. Um, Sean is missing the full color of life. He's kind of living in a black and white world. Um, and Gary, of course, goes through the, the biggest journey and the biggest transformation of them all. But they're all missing something. And by the end, they've they've achieved that, um, which is really interesting. And, and I mean, in some ways, it's maturity. But I don't know. I don't know. Now, most of the uh, most of the characters drop along the way. Um, although in this case, just being, being taken, there's a really nice moment where you don't know whether when they're taken and replaced with robot duplicates, are they dead? And then when they get to the final, to the world's end and talk to the voice of the alien, uh, network, um, it's revealed that they're mulched. So they are actually dead. Yeah. (laughs) I was really sad. I kept hoping they would rescue, uh, Martin Freeman there at the end. But, uh. But they've got his, uh, but they've got his head half blown off robot guy version. <laughs> Who it turns out to still alive. be very good at selling real estate. Yeah, with his head blown off because he's a robot. I, I also love you know the the Chekhov's rule again. They named the movie The World's End, and you get The World's End. Yeah, when they reach the the World's End, the world actually ends. <laughs> and I'm unclear on the fact that The World's End as a pub also has a thing that lowers into the floor to reveal the alien. Whatever, but at that point, I'm like, all right. Oh yeah, I, you're already, you're, already you're 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 bought in at that point. We're at the boss level. I mean, the boss yeah. level. It just does that because this is the end. You you reach the end. <laughs> it reminds me of the movie Penn and Teller get killed, which is by no means a great movie at all. But at the end of the movie, it builds up to the point where, lo and behold, they get shot and they're killed. And as the camera pulls back and the credits start rolling, Pendulette's voice comes on and goes. What did you expect? We named the movie Penn and Teller Get Killed. Anything else would be a cheat. I really love the uh, what I really love about the ending. Not not necessarily the coda, uh, which we could talk about, but uh, mm. I, I love the fact that when these guys finally talk to the the network, and that this the whole point of this horrible alien invasion is to socialize us. So that we play nice, more nicely with others. So that when Earth joins the interstellar, you know, community, we are better behaved because we're kind of messed up. And that's funny. And what's funnier is all of the, you know, all of these these guys say, you know, basically screw you. Don't tell us what to do. We'll be just as we'll be just as unruly and dumb as we want to be. And there's that callback to the what do we want to do? We want to drink and you know all of that. It's like we want to be irresponsible. And they basically tell the alien network of the galaxy to to you know piss off, and they do, and they end <laughs> human civilization as a result. Which you know, I was surprised by that choice at the end, but but I really liked the idea that 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 people would say. I mean, that seems like such human nature to me to say, oh hey, aliens. 
that's cool, but you you want to change us? You want to, you know, screw you. We're going to stay the same. That's you know, they could could have set this movie in New York. I think it would have been exactly the same kind of beautiful thing. What some alien comes here and tells me what to do? Um, yeah, forget about it. Yeah, but then instead they they're like, "All right, fine, but then you you're, you're going to have no electricity <laughs> or metal." <laughs> and they make it work pretty well because the, the, throughout the whole movie, you find that that it's it's impossible to argue with Gary King. And that's what what uh, uh, right. triggers everything at the end because the 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 network is finally like, oh, all right, forget it. You're right. You can't. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Fine. Give up. And of course, Bill Nye again as the voice. Bill Nye again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that leads us to the end. End, which is that we end up in this post-apocalyptic world where there is no electricity and it's and it's a uh, and it's an apocalypse. And I, I you know, it, that was that, that was a long that was a whole extra thing where I'm like, really. All this way, I figured they'd just like blow up the town and leave. I thought that was a kind of a funny random ending. Um, I've seen a couple people in the chat room say that they felt like that was kind of a like a cop out. It but, reminded me know. of uh, Fahrenheit 451 a little bit, where they're all like sitting around telling stories around the fire. Right. It reminded me of a boy and his dog. Based <laughs> on the Harlan should, Nothing too. should remind mm-hmm. you of that. No, no, that's true. It did seem a little tacked on, which is which was yeah. surprising because you know a, as we've discussed, like these guys don't tack on anything. Like like everything is so deliberate. Um, I mean, I think um, so. So I've I've seen the movie three times, um, and it it kind of works a little bit better when you see it again. And, and I should also recommend to anybody like you have to watch these movies many many times because it it really pays off. Um, but still especially the first time i was like i was like oh okay so 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 they went there they they did the full apocalypse and now we're just going to have kind of a voiceover of well here's what happened to this person and here's what happened to and this all person all the robots and were still alive even though the aliens left which kind of doesn't make sense but didn't make yeah yeah i i yeah i i would have probably preferred an ending where they they blew up the town and they ended up sort of sitting there at the end being like well never come we can never go home again you know or just we'll go back to our lives and we'll be better people but instead it was you know they wanted to do an apocalypse thing but yeah it came it kind of came out of left field didn't think it was necessary but you know but i love the movie i loved the movie i i, I want to say yeah. um i it's rare that i come out of a movie theater feeling as kind of um happy and entertained and delighted <laughs> as I did coming out of this because it was there was spectacle in it, but you know it's a twenty million dollar movie. It's not a hundred million dollar movie. It it's got some spectacle, but it's got humanity and it's got laughs and and uh, it's quirky and weird and funny and plus it pushes all the sci fi buttons that that you know I, I enjoy seeing pushed and things blowing up. So I thought it was great and it has amazing fight scenes. I mean what what's what's great is um two things. One, um Nick Frost turns out to be like like the the super brawler that can take down, you know, as many uh blanks or yes. uh, robots as, as possible. And and they actually make that work because I mean, Nick Frost is is a big guy and he does a lot of running and you're sort of like, all right, that's that's kind of a little bit, you know, stretches the credibility except that they they um make it clear early on that he was like a big rugby player. So you're like, okay, so he's a rugby player who's put on some pounds who, you know, is, is now older, but can totally kick butt when he needs to. Um, and also one of the things that they've mentioned in some of the, the interviews is when they were choreographing the fight scenes, they very much tried to figure out like how would each of these, these actors do well in a fight scene. So it doesn't seem like, um, you know, 
you have an actor who's fighting like suddenly uh, has you know super fight powers as you see in some movies and, and in some cases you have like like Eddie Eddie Marson who you know like he doesn't fight at all he he runs away and scuttles on the ground and so that it it really works and also works in the sense that that the actors are doing a lot of this like you see them and the camera moves and you can see what's going on again unlike many fight scenes that are cut so quickly that you're it's just kind of a blur of fists and things yeah i mean and and for me i I agree with jason i i came out of this feeling incredibly positive about this and and i i did was lucky enough to go see it with a you know like probably close to a dozen friends of mine some of whom i've known for like 20 years so <laughs> there's mm. i think it definitely uh it, it definitely sheds some light on it in uh some puts it in an interesting perspective when you're seeing oh, yeah i guess we kind of have you know the that same group of friends that's been around for like 20 years with you know with <laughs> with our ups and downs and our, our complicated relationships. But it was still, I really enjoyed it. I found my, I, just looking back now and thinking about it, I just, I felt like I was laughing kind of nonstop through, you know, a good portion of the second and third acts. I should also mention that, that Glenn Fleischman, who, who recommended me for this podcast, um, it, seeing it with him was a hoot because basically like through all the fight scenes, he was cackling like I have never seen it. Like he literally almost fell out of his chair in the theater. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that's that's because Edgar Wright's uh, cousin once was a, uh, a pet <laughs> Glenn's uh, father's pet groomer. So, you know, there's a connection. No, it's a funny movie and all the it works. It all works. Right. The 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 characters and the, uh, you know, the, the more serious story that's happening and the humor of it. And then the outlandish sci fi, which is handled in a you know, it's not it, it, people. Nobody's as frightened of it as maybe they would be in real life, but it's still handled sort of consistently. And so you end up with this really enjoyable ride where I was never going to be like terrified or seriously worried about the lives of the characters, which turns out I should have been in some cases because I was just enjoying the ride. It was a really nice package of things that I you don't see these kind. I mean, these movies are kind of of a kind here. Um, and you don't see a lot of movies like them. I think that's one of the remarkable things about what these guys do is that is that they're doing the, whatever ingredients they have in their recipe book. You know, they're 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 cooking with ingredients that other people aren't. I mean, they they these movies feel similar in so many ways, and I'm a little surprised that although maybe it's just not something that can be replicated that that um that we don't see more movies in this in this vein because they're not super high budget. They combine these different elements of humor and and action, and they work really well. Well, I think we have to contribute some of that to the filmmakers themselves because, like, it's it's very easy to say I'm going to create a low budget film oh, that's sure. indie friendly and I just haven't seen those movies. I mean, I haven't seen have have there been knockoffs of these movies that have just failed, or is nobody even trying because these guys are the only guys who can do it. I I think it's it's a hard. They're not formulaic, right? And and so much of what we see out of Hollywood is formulaic. That it's a, there's a tendency to just sort of like, well, I'll just you know tick the tick the boxes and, and go by numbers. I I think if you tried to pull off something that was even imitative of this, it w- it would probably fail just because it is in some way so tied to who they are as people because of all these things like these homages and these love of, you know, references to films and genres and stuff like that. I think, you know, you do see things occasionally that are 
of this ilk, but it's it's hard to get made too. I think because it's hard to sell somebody on it, and and you know even as a smaller movie, I think you know Edgar Wright has at least established his his cred, and Simon Pegg certainly is become a a marketable star in some ways. I mean, he's you know in in Star Trek for for heaven's sake. So I think there is a kind of a perfect storm of of factors there that that get these movies made, and the, the, I mean you know the chief chief reason behind them is because they're great. Um, and it's it's hard to make a great movie of this sort, I think. Yeah. Well, also, also they're all three of them originated in the British film, uh, uh, film world. They didn't start as Hollywood films, so that kind of helps too. They have a little more freedom to be different. There aren't, there aren't as many people saying, "Well, sure. you know, you need more aliens here, and how about some spaceships <laughs> and." Hey, what if there's like a sex scene? He goes, no, 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 no. Just go to the pub, pub, come on. Uh, they they try and have a sex scene, but it doesn't go out so doesn't, well for them. No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I got you a present. No, I mean, you look at Joe Cornish, who was kind of on the fringe of their of their group. He did Attack of the Block, which is in some ways very similar to these films, and and very very clever. Which I I don't know if anybody's seen it, but it's oh, yeah. it's very it's a fun fun little film. Um, but honestly, like if I'm trying to compare the closest thing I can think of is like galaxy quest, which is like, it's, it's not even remotely in the same field, but it has the same kind of playful fun and homages without necessarily feeling cookie cutter. What's, what's really cool is Joe Cornish and Adam Buxton, who appears in, he's in, I know he's in hot fuzz. I think he might be in the others. Yeah. Um, the two of them have, have worked together as a team on uh, TV and radio over in England. And uh, so they've done interesting stuff. And Joe Cornish has co-written the script for Ant-Man with Edgar Wright that oh. they're supposedly making soon. So well, that's actually, really as, as we record this yesterday, Edgar Wright <laughs> tweeted a picture of Ant-Man from the set of Ant-Man. And now everyone's, so, and everyone's oh, abuzz, man. which is probably the wrong word. But, you yeah. Know. <laughs> Um, uh, everybody, everybody's uh whatever it is ants do my uh my, my personal favorite food favorite uh cameo is in hot fuzz which i actually knew about but i was reminded this time watching it the santa who stabs nicholas angel in the flashback oh, yeah. is peter jackson yeah, <laughs> yeah. Huh. Which I, I love that that's great <laughs> and Ed, edgar wright is a grocery stock boy very, very briefly shown kate blanchett yes. plays his uh nicholas angel's crime scene girlfriend <laughs> Never, yep. never seen, or never seen the face of, which is great. You take a star as 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 famous as Kate Blanchett and put her in a like crime CSI, you know, suit. Never show her face. <laughs> well, from what I heard, that like like she she was a big fan of Shaun of the Dead and wanted to be in the movie, but that was right when she was really uh, you know getting very very popular, and I, I think her agent was like, no no no, you're not going to do this little cop movie, and so she managed to to do it. I think if if she could hide her face and not be listed in the credits, because she she wanted to be in it. Right. I I, I love that they get these guys. I, I I had a brief moment like you know brain fart moment when watching World's End because Pierce Brosnan's in it. And yeah. somehow I coalesced him with Timothy Dalton in my head. Like, oh, they got him back for this one. I realized, no, James it's just Bond. different James Bond. James Bond is back in another movie. Which James, James Bond will be in Ant-Man? James That's Bond will return in. Yes, Roger Moore will be, I don't even well, know. Well, clearly Sean Connery is hiding in Shaun of the Dead somewhere. <laughs> you got to drag Sean Connery out of retirement. Yeah. 
Yeah. I just can't wait until uh, what they have next on their docket that's not a uh, pre, pre-generated pre series. Right. Like Ant-Man is going to be all well and good and rumors of Edgar Wright taking on another Star Trek film or a Star Wars, heaven forbid. Um, that would all be really, really awesome. But I love their original film so much. And now that they've kind of wrapped up the Cornetto trilogy, I'm really curious as to what they where they want to go next yeah absolutely yeah it's it's good stuff they should they should keep i think there's a they think they've proven there's an audience for these you know reasonably priced (laughs) um uh, movies so and even though they said they never they will never go back to space part of me can still dream dream a little dream just dream the 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 you know the the spirit of space lives on. It does. It does. I'm happy with that. I'm happy that it lives on at all. All right. Well, that that wraps it up. We've done all we can do. I think for this time, we didn't. <laughs> sadly, we don't have the budget to end this with a climactic action sequence where all of us the podcast explodes. Shoot at the aliens that are coming through the podcast doors, and that's. That's what radio theater is for. Yeah, we mm-hmm. just need some We're going to blow effects. this thing wide open. We don't do that. <laughs> we don't do radio theater. No. So crazy, it just <laughs> might work. Yeah, that's right. So I, all I have to do instead of the climactic fight scene is to thank my guests for being here to talk about these fun movies. Jeff Carlson, thanks for dropping in on an episode that doesn't require you to appear live on stage. Thank you. And, you know, we'll always have the disabled's. <laughs> now we'll probably get complaints from people like like what are you saying about disabled people no no it was the extra large bathroom stall that's all yes okay <laughs> serenity caldwell thank you player two has left the game <laughs> david lore thanks for being here thank you i'm gonna go out in the backyard and throw some lps now you're the wax duplicate of dan morin not the real Dan Morin. This would explain a lot. Oh, you get ink all over your hands if you cut yourself. Yeah. Just be careful. Real Dan Morin. Thank you for being here, too. It's it's always a pleasure, Jason. What's the matter? You never taken a shortcut before? This is one of your uh this is one of your favorites. It is. I know. Glad to be here. Yeah. And thanks to everybody out there in Podcast Land for listening to The Incomparable. As always, I've been your loyal, faithful host, Jason Snell. And uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>